Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to another edition of Leader Manager Coach. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you along. If you're with us for the first time, this is the first episode that you've listened to. A real warm welcome. Have a look back at the previous episodes at the playlists and take a deep dive in. We cover so much in the podcast and uh, it'd be great to have your feedback. So um, welcome along. If you're a regular listener, I hope today's going to going to fill your boots with some wisdom and some knowledge that will help you along and that you can enjoy the journey as well. Okay, well, as you know, the basic topic and and focus of this podcast is leadership, management and coaching. And a few years ago, I purchased a book, as I do many times, um, called Beyond Winning. And the subtitle of the book was The Timeless or Is the Timeless Wisdom of Great Philosopher Coaches. It's written by Gary Walton. It's actually almost 20 years old, this book, so it's not something that's just come out. But I've carried it around with me for a number of years on various trips. And I've actually got around to starting to read it. And you know when you have that experience, how many of you can relate to this that you think, wow, why didn't I do this earlier? And you have that little bit of regret. Well, that's the kind of thing I've, I've already had. Um, but I suppose that's the, that's the kind of thing you get when you meet somebody great anyway and you start a relationship with them and you think, wow, oh, I should have met you some time ago or I should have done this years ago or I should have done that years ago. And you know what? We're only ready for what we're ready for at the time. We're ready for it. So I don't think regret really comes into it. But um, I want to talk about this book and the content of this book to help you along. But before I get into that, I read also this week an article that was about Jordan Klopp, uh, that Klopp. and Jordan Klopp, Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. And um, th- this article was all about the successes achieving at Liverpool and some of the things that are happening at Liverpool. And I just felt it really poignant to to mention this on the podcast because, as you know, one, one of the great mentors of, of mine and one of the great inspirations behind many things in my life is um, the late, great Bill Shankly. And obviously, Bill was the the person who instigated really the, the the beginnings of the Liverpool legacy from 1959 when he when he took over the management of the club and we all know uh, it's been documented in so many places on the podcast and, and, and in so many books by people who are far more eminent and, and qualified to do so than myself about Shanks and, and what he was and, and, and the kind of person that he was and why he why he was able to do what he did and it seems to me that Liverpool are, in their inimitable way, continuing with their ability to employ people. And I talk about Klopp when I, when I talk about that, who bring something to the club that's, that's above and beyond football. Um, the chief executive of, 
of the club actually came out and, and in, in a statement said that it, it's Lynn Liverpool's interest to not only employ and, and get the best technical players that are available, it's actually highly important to them that these people are not only amazing footballing athletes, but they are actually good people. And I, he went on to talk about their character and their ethics and their behaviours off the field as well as on it. And I just think it's an amazing landmark and an amazing benchmark that the somebody so so eminent as the chief executive of as one of the biggest football clubs on the planet at the very elite level should actually come out and say that not only are we looking to employ the best technical players, it's highly important to us that they are good people, the right character, the right ethics and everything else. And I think it's just a, a testament to an understanding and a testament to where that club is. And it's a, a shining light of a remark that I think we would all do well to follow because it requires all-round facets of, of character to be successful in life. It's no good just being brilliant at what you do technically, but having it all fall apart because of the inability to cope with the, the humanitarian, the, 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 the psychological, the social, the relationship sides of the financial sides of, of everything else that comes along because life is so much more than a unifaceted thing which is why the, the world, whether it's business, it's sport, it's show business, you know, or whatever it is, is littered with people who, were, who are and who were absolutely amazing at the skill, but their lives unraveled because of their inability to deal with all the other things that go along with, with the, the, the one key, key niche that they were involved in. And um, I think that's a great thing to say. Uh, and alongside that, um, the ability of Klopp to bring a philosophy to the club that's obviously completely different than Shanks in terms of, of, of who they were and what they, what they are and were in terms of personalities. But there's also so, so much similarity between the two. Um, as much as Shanks went on, to talk about football being the only thing in life and the most important thing behind it all was was as we've talked about you know and go and take a please go and go and take a deep dive into into the podcast and that we've done on Shanks before and, and take a look at some of the great books that have been written about him because as much as he his rhetoric um, kidded us all along that football was the only thing in life he was a man who understood the realities of life far far beyond the pitch and that was why. He was able to be the become the person yeah, that he he actually became. You know, when he was talked about what it is that drove him on, he never talked about football. He actually said that the thing that drove him on was that he wanted to make the people happy, and uh, never once in, in that statement is the word football mentioned. Football was just the vehicle, and that's what Klopp's Klopp 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 alludes to, um, and and he he he. he you know, he, he talks to people and says, look, you know, don't, don't, don't um, put me on a pedestal and don't love me when I win because you'll only hate me when I lose. It's not about winning and losing. It's beyond, beyond winning. Um, it's much more poignant and bigger than that. And uh, I think that's what the chief, chief executive is saying when he, 
he stands up and says proudly and bravely, look, we're after employing the best footballers, but actually, unless they're good people as well, we're not really interested. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Beyond Winning. And Beyond, beyond Winning is the title of this book I wanted to talk about, The Timeless Wisdom of Great Philosopher Coaches. And I'm sure, as an introduction, we can certainly include the great Bill Shankly and philosopher coaches, because Shanks' philosophy was very, very simple. It was work hard, do the basics, and be honest. And, um, you know, if you're given a job to do, do it to the best of your ability, period. Um, Shanks didn't go on about too much else, to be honest, and the number of stories about players who went to Liverpool and came under Shanks's personality where he told them that they were the, the best thing since sliced bread and the greatest player that the world's ever known and, and they would be going to Captain England and so on and so on and so on. And um, But technically, they were just tactically, they were left alone. And the stories of you come to Liverpool, the reason we buy you at Liverpool, that you come to Liverpool is because you're a great player. You don't come here for us to tell you how to play. That's why we've, that's why we've acquired you. And I'm sure the confidence that that gives to people um, is something something else. So Shanks was a simple man in that regard, and it seems that Klopp has uh, has a similar philosophy in terms of how he how he looks at life, and he's obviously a very very mature person in terms of his, his ability to negotiate his way through life at the very elite level, and um, come out come out smiling the other side um, for a man who's lost more more than he's won in terms of his um, in terms of his finals that he's got to is a man who is somebody that is becoming very eminent in the world of football and, and is, is making his mark if he hasn't already and is certainly somebody from a character point of view that is well worth looking at and studying so what about these philosopher coaches well I think We've already talked about Shanks on the podcast. We've, we've already talked about John Wooden, um, who is included in this book, by the way. We've talked about Guardiola, and um, we've talked about Sir Alex Ferguson, just to name a few. And I think it's it's a great a great phrase to use, philosopher coaches, because um, anybody who is a great a great coach is likely to be um, more than just a technical genius, more than a, a fount of knowledge on their specific sport. They're highly likely to be somebody who is a philosopher of life, um, somebody of learning and wisdom who's actually delved far deeper into, into how the human psyche works and how the human being gets on than just taking a narrow perspective on the actual sport that they're involved in. And... Um, this book is a real, a real good read for anybody who, who's an aspiring coach. It will give you um, a real good framework and a real understanding of how these, these six people, the book focuses on six people, six great coaches, and I, and, I, and I underline the word great because these are people who have actually achieved. And it talks so much about how, how they lived their lives how they had a deeper perspective on life and people and on themselves and their sports although were they were the thing that they devoted their lives to were actually almost a byproduct of what it was what it is that they 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 wanted to achieve or more perhaps more aptly 
the sport that they chose, whether that was basketball or baseball or American football, or of course the coaches who we talked about on the podcast. The sport was just a vehicle and um, many aspects of their life and many things that they say tell us that. And um, the, these these people give us give us what can I say? They give us a structure not only for becoming a better coach and for building our coaching practices around and our coaching philosophy and our coaching strategy around. They give us a blueprint for life because, as I say, these 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 people um, were more than technical coaches in their chosen spheres. And some of these coaches were, were so esteemed that they were taken to be people who represented their nations and um, were, were invited to speak alongside presidents and eminent people and at business events far outside their own realm of knowledge just because of their ability to deal with people, to lead people, to inspire people and to create great teams. And in, in the foreword about this book, the beginning of this book, it says that this book Beyond Winning is about great coaches who put their houses in order and strengthened the world around them in doing so. And that emanates and, and resonates so well with me about the, the, the current teachings of Jordan Peterson, who talks about, look, stop trying to change the world by the way you're doing it and going out and affecting other people. Just start very simply in your own sphere of influence and as he calls it, tidy your own bedroom. You know, make your bed, put your clothes in the wardrobe, put your books on the bookshelf, clean your shoes, put the things in your bag that you'll need for the work tomorrow, eat the right foods and get to bed on time and then everything else will kind of take care of itself. And that really is almost the start of what this, this book is talking about. The other thing that this, this book talks about, which Jordan Peterson alludes to and um, has, has really had some strong commentary on, is competition. And um, there's a quote in here by Arnold Palmer who said, if you're not competing, you're dead. And I think what he means by that is that if you haven't got something to strive for, if you're not trying to be the best you can be and actually competing against yourself and other people then you're missing out on something because and, and we, we, we take a deeper look at this but the world of sport and the world of competition and athletics and and and, and or business for, for that matter but we, we're looking at sport here it, it demands of people so it demands of them to dig deep inside themselves it demands of them to to, to ask questions it demands of them to physically, mentally, psychologically, spiritually, re relationship-wise, and in every other way, to become more than they are in order to compete, in order to be the best. And if they weren't in that competitive environment, they wouldn't be inspired, pushed, or, or, or they wouldn't do what they do to become better. And, and those skills that they develop, that, that fortitude, that resilience, that strength, mentally, physically, psychologically, socially, that doesn't just go away and evaporate once the sport has stopped, once the whistle's blown, once the horn's gone, 
once that person's hung up their boots or their gloves. That becomes part of their character, their being, the whole person. And, and that person then is able to go out in the world and be a more effective person, in, in my humble point of view. And, and, and I don't think I'm alone in saying that. And if competition is taken out of that, then people have much less reason to, to go out and do, do these things and become better and become stronger and create relationships that last for lifetimes and become the people that they can actually become and influence so many people. I mean, how many young kids would be less interested in football if Diego Maradona had not done what he'd done on the football stage? The same with Ronaldo, the same with Messi, the same with Pele, the same with Beckenbauer, the same with Cruyff, the same with any world-class footballer, the same with any athlete in any, in any sport, you know, Mark Spitz, just Muhammad Ali, Na name the sport, na name the hero in, in your own niche, in your own life, in your own business, your own area, name the sport, name the person, it doesn't matter, but you know what I'm saying, because these people then go on to have the influence they have on the world and they they not only affect themselves they then go on to affect their their inspiration to to their to their communities and often bring great financial help to their communities and people who who have this success and, and then get financial success you know often go on and, and and go back and and help their communities financially and they inspire people they inspire countries they inspire many people to take up sport and get healthier and fitter and feel better about themselves and be physiologically better and and you know reduce the the healthcare demands that they're put on societies and and the influences and the positives go on and on and on from competition and all this nonsense we hear as Jordan Peterson talks about about equality of of, of outcomes where you know at schools these days you hear stories where competitions are, are watered down and they don't have sports days and it, it's, it's not about sh applauding the person who's first in the race. Um, it's not about showing, showing positivity to somebody who's done well at sport and being better than somebody else so they don't have sports days and don't have competitions and, and competition is not something that's, that's, that's applauded anymore. Well, it, you know, it's just plain wrong in my opinion and I don't really say much often about what's right and wrong it's not for me to say but I think it's in this case I think Peterson's got an absolute valid point and and all the the the, the past history tells us that competition is good it doesn't mean we should ignore people who come second third fourth or last we should applaud them too it's not about where you finish it's about whether you give your best or not and that is all that matters do you give your best because if you give your best Nobody else can, can say anything about it. So that's a little bit of an introduction from this great book about Beyond Winning, which is, you know, I can't recommend it enough. And it talks about the lives of these men and their philosophies being built on, on real simple things. Three side pyramids of, of moral and spiritual aspects, physical aspects. So that, you know, that they're built on, on, on all the right things and social aspects too. And it's, it's a book that I can't recommend highly enough. So I've decided to you now spend a little bit of time talking about it. And the first person that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the first one today, this book has got six people in. And I'm going to talk about the life and the, and the, and the philosophy behind um, the first person in the book. And that's the great Vince Lombardi.
Now, everybody really in the coaching world has, has heard of Vince Lombardi if you don't know much about him. But Vince Lombardi is probably one of the most decorated coaches in America. And um, he's got a CV that's, you know, longer than longer than most people's arm. And um, he, he's, he's known... He's known in the world as um, somebody who demanded excellence from his teams. He is somebody who took over very poorly performing teams. And, um, you know, he, he, he turned around uh, a, a team, the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, he's, he's thought to be the best pro football coach that the world's ever seen. And now well, that's obviously an opinion, but he's certainly up there. And um, when he took over, so the Green Bay Packers were the team that in the States that Vince Lombardi took over. And before he took over them, they apparently had, um, in the 10 years, um, had lost more games than they'd won. And they were almost near to, to, to financial ruin. And... Uh, when Vince Lombardi came into the came into the into the the, the club, if you like, or the foray, or, or took over the team, he he basically just got on with sorting out what he needed to sort out, and he says in his own words that he worked on both the minds and the bodies of the players. He says my rules were stringent; everyone would be on time for everything, for meals, for meetings, for workouts. In fact, I had my own time. My own time was Lombardi time, which was 15 minutes ahead of the clock. And woe betide anyone who was late. So obviously he was a disciplinarian. And he said, in terms of winning, the main thing that separates the winners from the losers is not strength, is not knowledge, is not tactics, but is the will to win. And that is the one thing that he said was the difference between the great leaders and those who didn't achieve as much. Amongst his, his philosophies were, look, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. And that winning and losing are both habits. And if you quit on the training field, you will also quit in the game. He talked about very often, look, all you can do and all I ask is that you give of your very, very best every single day and every single time. He didn't talk about results. He talked about effort. And he asked everybody to give the very best of everything they could all the time. Not easy to do. He talked about often when he was when he was asked in interviews, a valiant defeat being far, far better than a lucky victory. He wasn't interested in accolades and skipping over the line by luck. He was interested in the process of valiant efforts and people making the effort to win. He had a deep perspective on people's lives and 
he, when you listen to his players, the people who played under him, he created relationships that lasted. He, he fully believed in total competition. He totally believed in putting your house in order, being on time, be, being well-dressed, being everything being done to a T. He believed in discipline and structure. And he believed in creating characters. He, he talked as well later on in his career about the structure of nations being dependent on the character of the people that they produce. And he talked about how sport is a vehicle for helping people to create those characters with strength, of depth, of moral fortitude, of resilience, who can go out and be examples and leaders, not only in their sport, but later on in the world and can be examples that people can aspire to. He talked about the team all the time. He had this understanding that everything would be done together or nothing at all. There's a, there's a, there's a, a, great, a great story about when there was um, still racial issues going on in the States that they went to a restaurant and one of the black players was asked to go through a different door and Lombardi just turned around and he made every single player go through the same door because it was all about us together and there's no differences. He didn't do gimmicks, he did the basics. And when he was asked about his, his philosophies, his tactics uh, and, and the technical side of the game, he was very, very simple. But he, he believed in doing the basics extremely well. And he said, if you get good at doing the basics, you will be victorious. And he, he didn't have gimmicks. He just basically was a very simple person in terms of his philosophy on playing. He believed in paying a price and he talked about it all the time. He talked about, look, if you want to pay a price, you've got to do this. And there's no, no quitting. There's no, there's no question. There's, there's, no, there's no easy way. There isn't, we're not looking for an easy way. We're here to sign up. We're here to sign up to do whatever it takes with the will to win. We will give our best every single session and you will give the best you've got and we will pay that price, period. And that price, just give the best the absolute best that you can get all the time. He, he was known to be a real taskmaster, but a real loving guy as well. His players talked about how he, how he would be so strong with them and he would be really strong with, the, with his criticism. But actually, underneath it all, they knew because of the way he was with them in the long term that he actually cared for them. He loved them deeply and all he wanted for them was the very best. When he came to the end of his career, he, he talked about not, not missing the accolades. He didn't talk about missing the, the media and, and all the glory. Uh, as like many of the great coaches, the, all these kind of things were just superfluous to him. What he missed was the rapport, the, the dressing room or the locker room, as it's called in the States, and the relationships and being the go-to person. There's no doubt about it, this guy loved his players. And um, he, was, he was committed to them. He, he was committed to the values that he tried to instill in his players. And he lived those values. He talks about the quality of, of your life being related to the commitment you have to excellence. And how by committing to excellence and being a little bit better every day and doing your best all the time, 
that enhances the quality of your life. He was a, he was believed to be a brilliant communicator of ideas, which is one of the one of the facets that made him the great coach that he was. And he didn't accept excuses. He was known to believe in the Spartan lifestyle, the simplicity, the basics, grafting, working hard, being a good person of true ethical character and letting everything else after that take care of itself. And once when asked about a loss, um, he talks about, look, listen, he said, we never lose. We actually just run out of time. And I think that reminds me a little bit of um, of Shanks because Shanks was like that. He was that never, never give in. We never lose philosophy, and always had a always had a word to add to it that would put you put you in the right perspective of exactly what he meant. Um, so the great, the first great philosopher coach that uh, Gary Walton talks about in his book is is Vince Lombardi, and all I've given you there really is just a little taste of his his philosophies on life. But one thing's for certain is he put relationships before results. He put character and values and ethics before results and he focused on a few simple basics. And with those, with those facets, he became one of the greatest coaches that the American football has ever known. And there's been many studies done on Vince Lombardi and I'm sure if you're so, so inspired, you can go and take a, a deep dive on that. But that's Vince Lombardi, that's number one in our great philosopher coaches. All right, well, I hope you've uh, enjoyed something um, and, and gleaned something from that. Maybe you can go and take a deep dive into the book. Can't recommend the book highly enough. It's Gary Walton, Beyond Winning, The Timeless Wisdom of Great Philosopher Coaches. There's tons more stuff available on, on Vince Lombardi. And um, let me know what you think. It's www.robrowse.co.uk forward slash podcast. It's on all the usual platforms, iTunes and Stitcher. I'm on LinkedIn and um, Facebook and Twitter. And let me know what you think. And um, yeah, catch you later. All right. Great to chat. Bye-bye.